You are listening to Black Man in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant, and today we're going to talk about Rada Blank's new Netflix movie, The 40-Year-Old Version. A film that's going to help us discuss identity, creativity, and self-doubt. And guess what? I'm back. Oh, great. Can't get rid of me. So, Mike, are, are you going to tell him or should I? Uh, I think I'll give you the honors of breaking the, breaking the news down to the audience. So, fam, as, uh, as our roommate Kate says, friendly face of the internet, I'm actually quitting the podcast. Because he, he was so heartbroken that he wasn't on the last episode. I um, was, I was perclempt. Yeah. Is that the word? Perclempt? I don't even know. That sounds nasty. It sounds like a tool used in like a gynecologist's office. <laughs> like uh, the perclemps. Give me the per, perclemps. The <laughs> but yeah, and he's like, he's quitting and then I'm also quitting. Like we're just going to both quit the podcast because. We're both quitting. We've decided that it's better suited if we become rappers. Yeah. In fact, actually, we are now going to become a rap duo. Yes. Known as Garage Garage Band? Yes. Garage Band. That's what we're going to be called, Garage Band. Yep. Um, yeah. We're gonna, basically, it's like uh, electronic, experimental rap. folk hop. Like, yep. it's, it's like very new age. <laughs> What, what actually can I can I vote to amend the name to be Garbage Band? I like yes, that's actually what I wanted it to be. So because we decided this earlier, yeah, this is all staged, everyone. Yeah, we're just actually just going through uh, our stages of like self doubt. So mid twenty twenty crisis. Yes, I thought you were gonna say the mid twenties crisis, and I was like, "Baby, I ain't twenty years old anymore." <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just twenty twenty is really been fucking us up. Yeah, and I feel like you know every episode we start off with like, "How's the world going?" All Who cares shit. about the world? I know, right? I'm not talking about. We're not gonna talk about the politics and shit today. Um, but yeah, so instead we're gonna just talk about self doubt and and just fucking you know dealing with being a starving. Shitty artist. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, and number one, we're not, no one's quitting the show. Yeah, no one's quitting. That was just a dumb bit that we wanted to do. Yeah, because we're so fucking clever. Well, we were pretty inspired, or at least I was inspired by this film we just watched yes, on Netflix. That's what we do want to talk about. That's what we're not yeah. going to uh, skip. It's, uh, it was called The 40 Year Old Version. Version, not Virgin. Yeah, that's not a Virgin. Movie. Like, shout out uh, Steve Carell, but like, that movie was funny too, but this ain't about you now. Um, this is even this is better. Uh, <laughs> the forty year old version is basically it's on what Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Movie produced by a bunch of amazing people. Most importantly, uh, like that the name that hit me the most was Lena Waithe, and then of course the star of the movie, which is. Um, Rada Blank. Rada Blank, yes. Rada Blank is starring. This is a film is starring, written by, and directed by Rada Blank. Yeah, so she did the whole thing. She wrote it, acted in it, and all of that. Yeah. Um, and it's basically about uh, she's like this down on her luck New York playwright. She, you know, she's struggling. She had this one moment of success uh, when she was like under 30, and now she's 
creeping up to 40, of course. That's why it's called 40-year-old version. Mm-hmm. And so now she, she <laughs> kind of goes through this crisis. Ooh. That, like, she's trying to reinvent herself. Uh, and she ends up reinventing herself as a rapper. Named, Shout out Garbage Band. Yeah, see, that's why we about to do this, too. Um, and <laughs> she kind of goes, she kind of bounces between both of the worlds of hip-hop and theater in order to find, like, what she really wants to do in her true voice. It was a great movie. I heard about it, and then it kind of, like, slipped my mind. And then Grant was, like, where he reminded me. Yeah, well, you did that really great episode last week on imposter syndrome. Um, I hope everyone listened to it. If not, pause this episode, go back, listen to that. Um, and this film, while it's not necessarily imposter syndrome, it feels like a, sh- a similar shade of you know dealing with self doubt and particularly self doubt and how how you doubt yourself in your art and what you're creating. Um, and so yeah, it just made me think of this movie. I'd heard about it on Twitter and I thought it'd be a good one to watch and we went and watched it and I mean, I really enjoyed it. You really liked it too, right? Yes. I I loved it. Um, it was probably my favorite, uh, I guess I would call it a, like there had rom-com moments in it. Like it, it, it like loves, it had a love story moment in it. And I was just like, I can fuck with this movie. Like it felt good. Yeah. I'm tired of watching. And she touches on this in the movie. But no shade to the to the creators that make these things. But I'm just tired sometimes of like black trauma, um, and the films always being about that. Like every time I watch a movie, I don't want to watch a cop shoot a black person, or I don't want a black person like on drugs and shit. You know, with fucking Viola Davis snot tears coming out of their mouth. I don't I don't want to always watch that. So this was good to watch because it didn't have anything to do with that. Nobody was on drugs. Nobody was on crack. Nobody was a crazy criminal. Like it was just people dealing with their art and their life and their careers. Yeah, and it's interesting because she actually calls out that same thing, like in you know, as part of the part of the the core thing that she's dealing with as an artist is she's being pushed, you know, to go down that route with what she's doing by like you know some investors or producers, whatever. And you know she she feels the pull about pull of that and like is annoyed by it. Yeah, frustrated. She, she kind of she gets faced with like, am I even good at this anymore? But then she gets the opportunity to to put something out. But then now she has a new question of like, am I selling myself short or selling out because of what I'm making? So, can we relate to this in any way as unproduced artists? <laughs> like, well, I, I guess we produced this this episode. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. do the podcast, but I, I mean, I definitely will. I definitely can relate to this. Like, it's we. I mean, we've had projects. That's true. Both of us. Um, that we were faced with that. It's instance where you get like a like. It's not a big break. It's like a baby break. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, a, yes. Yeah, Coin that baby break. Baby break, and like it's like you have to decide whether or not you're like. Do I want to just take this because it's like money and a great stepping stone. Or do I want to stay true to the things I'm trying to create and then, like, reject it and then, like, move on back to square one? And it's very interesting because, like, she, the way how she deals with it, of course, she, like, it wouldn't be a movie if she didn't go for it. But, uh, yeah, I think I, so to answer your question, yes, we, I have dealt with it, definitely. Yeah, I, you know, I. I had a momentary, you know, blackout moment there where I couldn't think of things. This happened to me like two or three weeks ago where something popped up and 
it seemed like it was going to turn into something and then nothing happened. Um, but there's that, there's that option where, or there's that moment where you're like, well, do I really want to do this? Is this really what I want to put out into the world? Um, or not, or, or do I want to be more true to what I originally set out to do? Um, and this happened to us five years ago when we made our pilot. So it's like, yeah. there's, there's definitely different shades of this, even as you're just like putting yourself out there for the first time, let alone, you know, someone who's experienced. Uh, yeah. And it's crazy because I, I personally always have these moments where I think like, maybe I'm putting my, I'm putting too much on myself. Like I get embarrassed where like, I think too highly of myself. It's, it's like, it's like the fear of having a certain level of confidence because that confidence can easily be translated into conceit. And, mm. and so I'm just like, Oh, well, people are going to think like, you're not that good. And so why do you even like yourself so much? And then so, and therefore in turn, I end up not liking myself that much, which is not healthy. And not yeah, good. that's so vicious. That's a vicious cycle. Yeah. Well, why do you think that, like, where do you think that comes from for you? Uh, I mean, it just like connecting it to the themes in 40 year old version. Like she definitely, she's, she is a, a larger black woman. So you gotta, you gotta take all of those different elements of, of her identity and like see how she she has to deal with perception of herself and perception from other people and that that definitely affects how she feels about herself and her art and I feel like I have that moment too where I'm like oh well if I'm not making stuff and it's not doesn't have black trauma in it or doesn't talk about the black struggle am I being true to being a, a voice of black people or like a good black person doing the right thing uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but out. then um, it's funny because then also if I did make stuff that like dealt with the idea of like my black identity, there's also that doubt I will have where I'm like, oh, but damn, like no one wants to read a story about a black guy who grew up in the suburbs in a, a fairly nice house, went to nice schools. Uh, and you know, live with his dad who's a law enforcement, his mom who's like worked in the pharmacy as a pharmacy technician. Like, it's like it's like less interesting for some reason. It was we we were like every like we weren't the Cuxtables, but we were basically like everybody loves Raymond, (laughs) but like black. (laughs) So like it was everybody loves Thompson. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and so it's just like doesn't she have a line of that in the um in the movie where she says like oh no like it might be one of her songs where she's like nobody cares about the regular black people or something like that. I think so. She, she touches on all some, of it. Yeah. Like, because it, it, it's something that I know I personally deal with. You probably, I mean, obviously, I don't know what your white ass be dealing with. But, uh. <laughs> ask me. I'll tell you. Uh, well, yeah. What do you deal with? I got to uh, ask what, you. As... I got to prompt you. <laughs> Dear white friend, what is what do you go through? Well, wait. Um, as far as self-doubt is concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a ton of self-doubt. And I think there's a, uh, for, for all white men, but for me in particular, I feel like I've always doubted myself for like superficial reasons and then i've doubted myself for like more existential reasons lately like do i need to be doing what i'm doing do i need to be saying what i'm saying is this does any of this matter things like that um yeah maybe that's too broad but i i feel that i i know you always because you have like black characters in some of your screenplays and stuff and I know you're all, I know we kind of always go back and forth where I'm like, you can write black characters and stuff like that. It's totally okay. Or you don't have to write black characters. Uh, you can just write, you know, whatever you want. But, you know, you've, 
they, I don't know. I, well, I'm, that's a larger conversation in the industry. Like, who has ownership over what characters and who gets to write what? And it's like most because for so long it's been people who look like me, white guys still is, writing though. everything. That's the thing I get annoyed with this idea. There's a conversation because it's not changing. It's still yeah. white men writing all the stuff. They didn't, they didn't all just quit now because we did Oscar so white two years in a row. Well, yeah, because uh, they use experience as a as a catch all thing where it's like, oh, you have to have a certain amount of experience or a certain title that comes with you know writing on shows for X many years. Yeah, and and then you have the people who don't have those identities writing those characters. I don't think you always need to have the identity to write those characters. Not every who who out there is like a fucking espionage spy that's writing these like movies. Who are, that's a great. Who's out there like actually like was fighting in like a Scottish war? Like who like so I'm saying like you writing period pieces and stuff like that. You didn't live there. You can't you can't actually you can't always get source material to write it. But you have to have a certain level of respect for and research. The, yeah, and research for the characters that you're writing. You can't just be like I'm a guess. Imagine <laughs> what a movie would be like if people like a historical period pieces. They just guessed. They never even they didn't open. Never opened the book. They just assumed like I'm just gonna base it off of what I think I remember from third grade about you know such and such Egypt or something, and then they make the movie. It's, I think that's what they do a lot of the time. Be looking like that, right? Yeah. Well, I, that's like me whenever I set out like to work for a new project. I'm always like, well, how much research is this gonna take? And that will that will actually affect the amount that, of interest that I have in like pursue, pursuing it. Like, if it's gonna take more research, then I'm like, okay, well, I'm not ready to do this yet because I have to do all that research first. I mean, yeah, I use that excuse and a whole bunch of excuses. Yeah, because um, I mean, it's what it's what we're talking about now. It's just self doubting. Like I, instead of just admitting that I just don't believe in myself, because <laughs> that's so dark, uh, we come up with a bunch of different ways. And she does that in the movie. Like she, between her, like even her rap career that she's suddenly having from her like midlife epiphany, uh, and then also from her filmmaker, not filmmaking, her play uh, right career, she like kind of has a b and c all these different reasons why things aren't working out and a lot of it is based on her age she kind of just like i'm this old and i haven't succeeded yet or i'm uh i don't know no one no one cares about what i'm talking about type of thing yeah or people want me to write it they only want me to write a certain type of thing yeah so it's 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 a it's a great movie in that regard. It's also black and white. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was awesome. Because I think it, I think the idea of having something in black and white just kind of simplifies it and makes you focus on the characters. Like I think uh, immediately about like Francis Ha. Mm, that's a good reference. Yeah, and like you know, Thou Who Shall Not Be Named. Yeah, there was some movie back in the day that was in black and white, but it's yeah, full you know trash. Yeah, one in New York by, made by that man. Yeah. I don't really want to talk about that movie I don't know because him. it's not all that great. But <laughs> no, like, no shade to people who like him. I just not because I don't want to give him any play. But yeah, it has that style because you know it's in New York and it's very much like we're in the city and this is the city. The city is alive. Like it, it, it could definitely. Yeah. You know, this, every time a movie's in New York, New York has to be a character in that motherfucker. <laughs> like it, it always has to. Like I don't. I've, I've noticed that. Like it's any, such a cliche, but yeah, it is. It's like this movie starring like Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, New York City, and <laughs> Jack New York Nicholson. City as himself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I gendered New York as a male. That's that's something I got. Yeah. 
Oh, that okay. This is so off base of what we're talking about. Let's to go. With it. But why? When now, when we talk about cars and cities and boats and you know things that don't actually have a gender, why don't we? Why can't they just be non like just a non-binary? Like they them? Yes, should be. Wouldn't that like? Because it's like stop. Why like this you? is my boat. Her name is Belissa. Yeah, it's doing too much. That's an ugly boat, Melissa. <laughs> I'm sorry if there's someone actually listening named Melissa. I, you have an ugly name. Oh damn! But, <laughs> I mean, Dragging the Melissas of the world. Melissa, capital B. Yeah. So I mean, kind of going off the movie, I want to per, like impose a question: uh, What mm-hmm. drives us to doubt ourselves, or what drives you to doubt it yourself? I know we kind of little touched on it here and there yeah um i think a lot of it is for is imposter syndrome like i know i wasn't here last week um and you touched about how like imposter syndrome affects you but i think it does i think it affects me too even being who i am with my identities like i don't know i i feel like sometimes i feel like i just am not like worthy of anyone listening to me why do you feel like you're just a plain white guy well there's that but i feel like i've gotten over that a little bit a like little more a little, edge, a little edgier now oh my god <laughs> i don't why? know what that means a podcast with a black guy no not even that nah. i don't know just i have weird like intersecting interests and weird intersecting identities like i don't know and just like I, I i do feel like i'm a very complicated flesh out person but at the same time i just feel also like why would anyone want to read a story written by me? Yeah. I feel like everybody, it's weird because everyone ends up going or, through that. Yeah. Or what makes me capable of it? What makes yeah. me good enough? What makes me worthy over other people? I think that's the thing that I have now is like, what makes me worthy over other people? Yeah. But because you're other people are not you. It's yeah. easy for me to say that, not to put that in practice. But right. the, the, the simplistic answer of it is what makes you special is the fact that you are you and no one else is you. Like, the, it's, not like there's, it's not like there's 20 different Mike Thompsons who are the same age as me, born from the same parents, same genetic makeup, same city, same time, everything. Like, that's I'm the only one. Right. There might be people that look similar to me that might have a similar some similar genetic code based off of relation and stuff, but like I am the only one. So like that's what makes me unique and special. But it's just hard to like translate that sometimes into our artwork or whatever the fuck you're making. Yeah, I can see that for sure. And I think also it's like yeah, you are a unique individual, but like now you have to then say, okay, I'm obviously trying to tell a story. Like I'm you have to prove to yourself why you are uniquely qualified to tell that story. Like, especially if you're not that identity, you're not that Scottish warlord. You're not that, you know, spy from the seventies, like during cold war Russia, you know, you have to now prove to yourself, why do I, why am I the one that's supposed to write this or, or, or what qualifies me to tell this story? Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause this is the reason why, I push back on the idea that you have to be like not all white men or should be allowed to tell stories of black people because then that pushes that drives the idea that I'm only allowed to make black movies. Yeah, totally. So then everyone would be like, nope, Mike, if you're making it, then it has to be a cookout movie 
about you know chicken wings and crack. <laughs> so like at the same time, I guess I don't know. I'm just you know just, kinda, I'm, it does sound kind of interesting. I'm pretty sure you can find a couple of movies out there that are pretentious. You know that are about a barbecue and then like someone's like on drugs halfway through it. Uh, but yeah, I want to <laughs> make movies that aren't that are not technically the stereotypical. Uh, you know, black genre or or cultural genre where it's like, you know, about the prison system and shit. Like, I want to just make stuff about a regular family just living their life in a neighborhood or, you know, a regular rom-com or stuff, a little bit of magical and fantasy in it. But, like, it has nothing to do, really. It, there might be, obviously, some some progressive elements to it because that's who I am, but it doesn't have to be about race. And so, totally. Yeah, and so that... That for me is what drives my doubt uh, is that it's like, it's not that I don't think people will care about my story. I think people will care about my story. I just don't know if I want to tell my story. I, I, like, I want to tell other stories. I, wanna, I don't want to tell mine. Like, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm like, people are going to only like mine because, like, it's a unique black guy telling this story. And then, like, when I run out of that, what, what do I do now? Like, so that's, that's my fear is that, like, the only thing people will find interesting is me. Nothing else I want to say. Ooh, okay. That's interesting. And that kind of deals with that deals with two branching parallel things I, I'm interested in talking about in this conversation uh, that we discussed before. One of them is, you know, how do you know, like, like, you know, we've had all this free time, you know, those of us who have been laid off or those of us who, you know, are working from home and now have more time, less social engagements during the pandemic to create stuff. I know that's the thing that a lot of artists have talked about, especially people whose entire industries have just disappeared overnight. Um, although I know they're in various stages of coming back. Um, and so there's like the, the whole, the mess of, well, how do you know what to do with your time and what to make and what to make first? So that's one, one angle on this. And that can lead to self doubt of just not knowing where to go with that. But then the second angle of it is kind of how like the industry that the entertainment industry specifically categorizes people based on identity and and qualifies people as like oh you know this is a black story we need a black writer to write it you know or you know this is you know a a cop show so we need a cop you know to be one of the writers or a former cop or someone who has that expertise like yes there's reasons for like i guess having someone who has those identities but also the industry, I feel like, pigeonholes people, like, even in genre. Like, oh, you only write rom-coms. You only write action movies. You only yeah. write, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Because of that. So those are two different things that are really interesting. Um, pick up on either one that you're interested in. Wait, so first question, give me, give me <laughs> yeah. back the spark notes. Okay, spark notes is, first one is um, self-doubt and, how, and how, you, how do you know what to write and uh-huh. what you want to do first. And uh, self-doubt in being like categorized and, and marginalized by your identity. Uh, okay. So to, for the first one, how do I know what I want to write? I don't like that's the reason why <laughs> that's the reason why it's like not that much shit is coming out of me. And it's frustrating because you, I immediately turn that into the idea like, Oh, well, I'm not a, as good of a writer as everyone else, but you it's take like, it like you, you take it out on yourself. Like yeah, you're hard on yourself. I'm like, Oh, because you know, it's like the person who, uh, does 10,000 hours like I'm just like they're obviously better than me because I only did you know a thousand hours um but I have a whole bunch of reasons why I can't hit 10,000 hours it might be a little level of privilege that separates us um totally. but 
Yeah, so it's hard for me because it's like every first big thing that I put out there, like whether it was that pilot we made a while back about me being the token black guy, Mm -hmm. there's this podcast and all the blog and everything that goes with that, which is basically about being a token black guy. And so it's like (laughs) everything is that. Like I, I lived my life, I tried so hard to avoid that. And I I got to a point where I realized that avoidance was just me avoiding, like, being afraid of people being critical of that of that identity. But then I realized I'm a, I got to be okay with that identity, and so I have to be okay with just putting it out there. So that's why I decided to just say fuck it, and then you know you get black man in the right world because I'm like this is who I am regardless of what I do. I can write a fantasy story, I can write a rom com, action flick, anything like that. It's all I'm gonna always be Mike, this black guy who grew up in a white society. Um, totally. So that's that's why I said I'm a I'm gonna go for first with those stories, and then you know fish out the other stuff. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah, but then at the same time, I don't want to be beholden to that i don't want to be like you know all all i'm known for or all the things that i consider good at is just talking about being black right i can talk about a whole bunch of other stuff you know i can i like fantasy and dragons and lord of the rings and you know final fantasy and all these games and stuff like that rpgs like that's my fucking jam like that's where my bulk of my knowledge goes and so like the all of my stories, whether dealing in the real world or in a fantasy world, they all have some kind of magical element to it. So that's the stories that I truly want to tell. So it's like it's trying to figure out when and how to get those things out and being OK with it if it doesn't technically always benefit or suit my black identity. Interesting. Like, like there's going to be times where I'm going to write, where I'm going to put things out there, and it's not going to be black men in the right world. It's not going to make my white friends feel better about their racism. It's not going to make, you know, (laughs) it's not going to like be a change agent or anything like that. It's just going to be some empty, fantastical shit. And maybe, you know, if it gets made into something visually, like a film or a television show, then yeah, it might have characters and stuff and the identities and all that will fuck with people and be like, oh damn, this is like a wrinkle in time or stuff like that, you know, where just different races and stuff and everybody's like uh, into that. But the initial writing and the initial material is not going to always be some big social justice movie or story, so. Yeah, it's like, like like you're more than, like you are your identity, but you're more than your identity as well. Yeah. Like and which should be go, which should go without, which should go without being said, right. like that I am more than my identity. I'm more than the black man in the right world. There's a whole bunch of other shit. It's just that this is the springboard that I'm using since it's gonna be the first thing that you focus on anyway. Ugh, there's so much that that calls back to about the film that we saw, with, without like spoiling anything or giving too much away. Like, there is kind of an unspoken thing that she's not dealing with in her life. And when she finally goes and, and has her lowest moment and, like, goes and confronts that thing, she yes. learns an aspect of that. They, like, to to not be a spoiler, but just to give you exactly what it is. Yeah. There's a couple things that she needs to unpack in her life. Mm, that's good. I like, see what you did and there. She, yes. Watch so, the movie and, yes, y'all, watch and the then movie you'll get you'll what you see. Think. There's, there's some stuff that she hasn't unpacked yet that she needs to unpack. And once she gets that out, out the way and, you know, opens up those wounds... Then you can then you can begin the real healing process. And like we've talked about this in past episodes with grief. 
uh, with uh, imposter syndrome, all these different, you know, things, friendships and stuff like that. You you got all these little like moments in life that are hard to uh, to let go. And that that definitely is something that that can signal or create that self-doubt, which brings me to this next question that I wanted to kind of put on both of us is, is there a moment in like your childhood that you can remember when you first dealt with doubting yourself or your artwork or creative process? Like kind of like a, like if we know if we're a Scientologist or something, it'd be like, (laughs) (laughs) remember the the first moment and you know, like, Oh my I don't gosh, know if that's what yeah, they do. They, 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 they do something like that, but... <laughs> the psychological manipulation, yeah. Yeah, can you... Because I can pinpoint back to one of the biggest moments for me. To go, You go uh, first. Yeah, then. so... Because, like, uh, as, as I said before, I grew up with my, my brother and I. Like, he always wrote stories and drew pictures. Like, he was he's a really great artist, um, but he also wrote books a lot. And we read Lord of the Rings and all that stuff together. And we did all that stuff. So we were fantasy playing video games. That's fun. That's so cool. So I've always loved the storytelling element. Um, but then it, uh, my dad got this little camcorder. He got this little camera. It was back when, you know, like in the 90s when they, the Sony cameras finally had the little flip-out uh, viewfinder screen. And it was so fucking cool that it has that now. And it's yeah. like in color. So it was one of those. Because he used to have a big-ass camcorder, the one you put on your shoulder. I ain't never fuck with that one because I was like five years old. But he had he got one of the new little ones. And so now this is something that I can hold. And, you know, I'm spending time learning all the buttons and all the things about it. I knew I knew all of the modes. I was I knew how to do the focus. I was finding I was figuring all that out. And I'm like, you know, nine years old, ten years old. So, like, Obviously, if you stick with this, I, my ass would have been some motherfucking, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, Alexander Inaritu or something. Yeah. Like, I would have been, <laughs> or, or Alfonso Cuaron, actually, I want to say. Oh, yeah, I, I was been, thinking of cinematographers, you know. Yeah, I was going to say Alfonso Cuaron. So I would have been like him or something by now. But uh, there was this moment, like, my friends, because I was hanging around a bunch of white kids, like, go figure, motherfuckers. But. <laughs> Uh, these living. white kids, you know, we they do white kid shit like uh, <laughs> skateboarding and riding dirt bikes, and we's building jumps and ramps and shit. Ratchet ragamuffins is what my, I was. Damn, saying. that's a ooh, that sounds. <laughs> but that's exactly that's what how it was. you describe like yeah, a white but kid. They, so we they were building, we were building jumps and all this stuff, and we had this little clique, and we had a name for our group, and everybody had their cool bikes. Like I had a specialized, this blue specialized. Are you bike. telling me you were in a Bakersfield biker gang? It was a BMX bike. Yeah, BMX Bakersfield biker. Gang. I guess I don't know. What was I, your What was your What was your gang name? Uh, I can't remember. It was like CB three or something. Dang, that's kind of cool. I don't. It sounds like that sounds like a black gang. It sounds like I was a crip. But <laughs> no, I I just think you're like in the X Games, like the, no. like Disney Channel Brink. No, it was kind of like that. But anyway, I don't remember the name. Fuck all of that. <laughs> Sorry. But, Please continue. Yeah. Um. But. I was I was gonna record everybody because I was the one that had the camera. See, it was very weird thinking back now. Like, I was the kid who had all the cool gadgets and the kid who had all the cool stuff. Like, we had the big screen TV uh, first. We had the 
the playstations and all of that stuff and we had the like so you know uh anyway we were we kind of were the huxtables of this hillbilly ass town but anyway levels to yeah, unpack levels. <laughs> <laughs> but i was i so i had my dad's camcorder this little sony one and i'm starting to record them and shit and i'm like figuring it out you know like how skateboard recording i'm like i'm trying to mimic what they do in skate videos and and, and bmx videos and and extreme sports videos where you do the low angles and yeah. stuff and i'm figuring it out and, you we know, were I, watching skate videos a couple like two months ago. Oh, yeah, we were reminiscing. Yeah, that was fun. They used to watch those motherfuckers all the time. Before there was YouTube and E-Bombs were on all that shit, kids, just, we just watched skate videos. But the I'm doing this, and, like, of course, a little bit of dirt and stuff gets into the camera. Uh-oh. Uh, because, like, it's just, it's just, like, on top of it. Um, and that's it because it's it's like I'm I'm in the dirt. We like we in the field. We in Bakersfield. What the fuck you mean? So my dad like he notices that there's it's kind of like dirt on it a little bit, and he loses his shit. Like mm. black man loses his shit. Like Lovecraft country daddy type. You know. <laughs> like, uh oh. <laughs> I mean, I can say all of this because he ain't got no job no more. He retired. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he was acting a fool. So anyway, uh, I I mean I've I've dealt with it. In the regard that him and I are cool on on in, in overall. But for that moment, uh, when he lost his shit, you know, I'm in crying. I'm sad now because I can't never use his fucking camera again type of shit. And he, call, and he had this always word like, oh, he called it Mickey Mouse. You're doing Mickey Mouse bubblegum shit. Anytime he said that, he meant it was like it wasn't nothing. It ain't real. Or you, mm. ain't, you ain't serious. But he'd always tell me things ain't serious before we even got deep into it. Um, so that moment, I literally was like, fuck this. I ain't never touching the camera again. You ain't got to see me being no touching no fucking uh, video camera. I was like, I'm not fucking with no cameras. I don't want to deal with it. And fast forward to now, I, I have been on multiple sets. I have been part of multiple film projects, you know, went to film school and all that, but you, you would not catch my black ass in an editing class in a cinematography class. Uh, holding the camera, DPing for nobody, ACing, AD, none of that. Because uh, I was just like, I'm not fucking touching the camera. Like, it Damn. really it really messed with me. It's that deep. It's that deep. It's so weird. And, you know, people could be like, oh, just get therapy. And I'm like, so, that ther- ther- unless the therapist can go in there and wipe my dad's brain and change him into a whole new person, like, it's not going to, you know, so <laughs> it's not going to completely get rid of that. Uh, but, yeah, so that for me is was the moment where self-doubt fully set in. Wow. Was because I was just like, oh, like it's Mickey Mouse bubblegum. I'm not that good at this stuff. Funny that I was so young that at that time I was still, I had said no to film school. I was like, I'm not going to go to, I'm not going to do directing or film or anything like that because I'll just be a writer or something or English teacher, I think is what I changed my mind to. And then somehow the universe was like, nah, nigga, I got you. You're going to slip your ass back into film school. And then I went to film school. As a, as something different. As well, a, I was gonna say, how did that? How did it lead you to? How did you end up choosing film school then? I because I loved writing so much, and I, when I went to community college, I I started I did my poetry, my creative writing so much that I was like, I love this, but I can't shake the fact that I love the visual element of it too, uh, and the music. Music is big for me, like mm. soundtracks and stuff like that. I always like you know music composers and stuff. John Williams, James Horner, Hans Zimmer, you know, Thomas Newman, all these guys, like, that's my jam. But, um, so the, I was like, how do I fuse my writing, muse, love of music, and 
uh, the visual element all together. And then I'm like, oh, my God, that's movies and TV, duh. Yeah, so it's totally. uh, Yeah, and it's screenwriting. So that's why I went to school for screenwriting. That makes sense. That but yes, sense. that's when the moment of self-doubt started for me. And so did that creep into other areas of your life too? Or was that just for your art? Oh, no, it definitely creeps into other areas of my life. I, you know, when I was in, I was in the restaurant business for 14-some years. And there was times where I was, you know, like a busboy and stuff like that at jobs, like recently. After uh, you'd already been in Yeah, Cafe Gratitude. I was, a, I was like, they made me a busboy. And I don't know how I, I just, I just took it. I just bent over and I took it. And it was stupid. I should have stood up for myself a little bit more. Um, but yeah. I did it because I was like, well, maybe I'm Mickey Mouse. Maybe I'm not that good as I think I am. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe this is all, you know, maybe I'm a waste of time. You know, Damn, like, man. You, you think about that shit and it's like, it's like, oh, you need to, you need to figure your shit out. Cause that is not healthy. You know, I'm coming yeah. into a job, 12 something years of experience. And I think that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so That's, whether yeah. it's racism, whether it's my dad, whether it's just the weather, whether it's like, <laughs> whether it's the weather, that, yeah, that self doubt trickles into other situations as well. That's crazy. Um, so how about you? When, uh, can you find, can you think back to a moment? So as I was listening to your story, I was trying to think of, um, uh, equally, visceral or well, you know you ain't gonna get as equal because you you're dude little, you're I, vanilla boy to me like there's probably something i'm overlooking there's probably something i couldn't think of but i actually think a lot of my self-doubt comes from myself like it's not it doesn't come from any experience of any other person or anything like that like but also i was thinking about it and i was like i don't know if i ever had that moment where somebody like like turned me off from doing things. Like, I think most of the time it was me moving on to a different version of it. Well, I don't know. Like that's some white privilege shit right there. I I don't know. Being real. Like, I feel like this, this occurs, this occurred, this occurred several times. Uh, in our conversations. Okay, tell where me. I feel like I have like this crazy traumatic trauma area. Yeah. And it, yours is kind of like you can't really pinpoint it, whether it's just based off of memory, but I'm like, or this is just indicative of the the, the levels of white privilege. Yeah, I think you're just I like, oh, I'll just do something else. I can do anything I want. So, like, you, you, <laughs> in your mind, like, you, when people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're like, anything. <laughs> me it's like what do you want me to grow up like well i need to really calculate and think about this because like i can fuck up steal a candy bar and become a criminal or i could get pulled over and get a ticket and you know get shot or i could like i maybe i should be a cop but then if i'm a cop then all my black family members who are pro-crime or whatever involved in crime will not like me or what if i become a politician if i become a politician i gotta be a democrat because democrats for black people and i can't like it's oh i have to gosh. think about all of these things like that so, yeah. you know, or if I'm a, if I'm a doctor, oh, if I'm a doctor, I got to make sure like I do stuff that can focus and can help my family. Or if I'm a lawyer, I used to always think about this. I'm not going to become a lawyer because I don't want to try to bail out all my, you know, crazy cousins and shit writing bad checks. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> that's like the well, things that I thought about. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think for, for me, like I've always felt like I had this confidence of, I knew what I wanted to do and I wanted to do some form of writing, whether it was like writing like books or, or then it turned to movies and then it turned to music and then it turned to acting. And then finally it turned back to writing movies. And now I don't know what I'm doing. Um, all of the above, but, um, it was, 
I always felt like that was something that like that was my north star. Whereas like you know everything else in my life could be going to shit, but I always knew I was gonna do that, and I felt lucky in that regard, and that like other people didn't know what they wanted to do with their life, and I kind of did know or a version of it. Um, and so looking back on it, that like my self doubt will always any moments I had self doubt, it was always like image issues or like or like who I was as a person and not like what I was writing or what I did or what I or like me do physically doing something it was always like just me getting you know picked on for what I look like or sounding stupid or things like that like so I don't know I don't know if that makes sense but see I I will I will challenge you and say that you getting picked on and people making fun of you did that not did those moments not make you think you were worthy of whatever you wanted to do? Well, I feel like they always picked on me in social settings. It was never like because I wrote something or. But I, I did but something. I, the thing is, my dad never he never said that like I wasn't good. That's true. He never looked at the video. He never he didn't say I wasn't good. He never said that like you shouldn't be a filmmaker or anything like that. He just got really mad at me for using the camera. Yeah. So I, I just like I in my spite, I never wanted to use it anymore. So therefore, you know, I went so long without using one. I didn't think that I was good enough to use it. Like, I didn't think I was ca- caught up to speed because, you know, some people people put a timeline on stuff. They put an arbitrary timeline on like, which is like what this movie is. She's like, I'm already I'm hitting 40 and I haven't done A, B and C. Therefore, I suck. You know, it goes back yeah. to what I talked about last episode where you have like these certain uh, goals and you think you have to hit all of them and if you don't hit all of them correctly at the same time and the right time you fucked up yeah. like you got to get married by 22 you got to have kids by 25 you got to have a successful career to picket fence and all that shit by 30 you know that kind of stuff so yeah. it's like i i would say that the kids like those experiences probably they remind me of what you talked about earlier in this episode where you said that why would people care about me? Like, why would anyone want to care about me or hear what I have to say? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Am I like, I feel like we're having a, is it like a therapy session? It feels a little bit like it, but um, I don't feel like, yeah, I don't feel uncomfortable. I don't know. No, you don't even <laughs> feel uncomfortable. I just, I, yeah, I just think, I I think it's all, you know, and what we talked about when we see each other's blind spots, yeah. Um, I kind of I see it as that. Like I I feel like I can I can be very cognizant of when you are thinking like, oh, no one gives a fuck. That's yeah. I. It's it's even why I was so invigorated to like have you as my like main co-host uh, for the podcast because. I know your ass was not doing a podcast with, like on your own. You would not just no. do it. Hey, hey everybody, this is the Grand Harvey podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Because I'd be like, who would tune into that? My mom and maybe but you. Why not? Be- uh, I don't know. <laughs> now I now I feel unmasked. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's exactly what I said. I don't think anyone would care. But why wouldn't why should I care then? Um, good question. I'm like, I just want to, I just want to grill you. I don't know why. I just, I just like, I, well, this. okay. I think, um, okay. So looking, looking at myself, I think something that I do a lot is I say, if I go out and do something on my own, no one's going to care about it. But if I bring someone else on board, that's also interested in it, 
now there's two of us, and I think the relationship and the dynamic of two voices, especially two voices that are different, makes it interesting. So I think one person's perspective is is not that interesting, but two people together, now now you have something cooking. Yeah. Like and I think that just goes with my insecurity of myself, that I'm afraid to put out my own work all on my own man. because I don't think it's not good. Or I don't think it's good. Yeah, this motherfucker has like, he got a handful of I scripts and shit. Deep self doubt, dang. Yeah, it's all Levels up in there. To this. It's all up in there. Yeah. Uh yeah, it is. Yeah, you do. I mean, we all do, but it's so in, it's so interesting to sometimes see the self-doubt of a person sitting across from you. Cause it's like, I wanna so badly believe, like, well, I ain't like that. But it's like, damn, I feel worse. Sometimes you know, really? I, Why? I feel like I doubt myself worse, but it's not. It's just a, it's different for different reasons. Yeah. Like just as much as you might say, just like you said right now, I feel like I have to do with someone else to like, so the story can be more interesting or what we put out is more interesting. I feel like, oh, well, I have to do with someone who's not going to be ridiculed as much as me, or people can see as neutral. So it's like, yeah. cool. I can if I do this podcast. The minute I knew I was doing the podcast with you, it's like. There are those people with a with a slightly closed mind yeah. who will be like, "Oh, well, he did it with the white guy, so he can't be on there." Like, all white people are racist. I hate them. We need to cha- uh, fire everybody. He must be on there. Like, I feel like we've said that multiple I know, times because I, I tricked their ass. <laughs> they yeah. were like, "Oh, he gonna be on there. He gonna be all like." He forgot. You know, they didn't know that they had the rubber stamp white guy. Where I was like, "Yep, yeah. yep, yep." <laughs> Agree. Nah. Because you, you try oh, no. to tell me don't say that, but I'm like too late. I said it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's just it's it's interesting. Like I, it's because that that moment I brought up does it's not just because like it impacted me that much. I also just have a very weird selective memory of certain mm. particular incidents. And yeah, it was like something that stands out to you. Stands as a out. Yeah. I'm not like I'm not like don't talk to my father anymore because of that or anything like that. It's not, no, it's not I mean, that serious, but it's just, you guys fix that, but. it, 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 it drives me to in a different direction, which actually drove me to the right direction. So, you know, the way how my dad get down, he'd be like, Oh, see boy, I told you, that's why I took the camera for you. Cause I knew you needed to be a writer. That's <laughs> he why. Knew. Yeah, he, had, like, he did the Lovecraft country thing where he went back in time and he, or forward in time. And he's like, I know my son's going to be a writer. So therefore I have to get rid of this camera. thing." Yeah. He, like, I got to move this camera. So he'd be a writer. Like <laughs> Nick, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, next Question, we can just move on. And well, I had one thing I wanted okay, to add to ahead, that. Go ahead, go um, It's just that, like, what you said about that, you know, working with a, a white guy and, and, you know, someone who's less criticized, I feel like white people are doing that now, too, with, with black voices and black people, where it's like now we feel like like maybe you'll get less criticism, at, at least from, like, the left. And so I think there is, like, this weird Oh, like, balance. you want to work with people, want to work with people of color now so they can be like, see, I'm a good, I'm one of the good ones? I think that that's, a, there's an element of it, yeah. Yeah, there is. And it's like, cool, do that. Hire me. <laughs> Let me be the one to make you feel better about yourself. Shit. Yeah, I think Just that's definitely Just give me a paycheck. A I don't give a damn. Makes you think about Bill, Bill Burr, you know, calling out white women. He's like, oh see, my God, black people he did agree that? with me. Yeah. Snaps to Bill Burr for just saying whatever the fuck he want. Yeah. Um, all right, so the next question uh, that we kind of created for this is how do you know what you're supposed to be doing? Well, yeah. What does that even mean? Like that's something that she deals with in the film that cause she's going between she's, she has a new career that she just popped up out of her head out of nowhere from a couple of random experiences that you see in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then she has a career she's always had being a playwright. 
Yeah, and she feels frustrated in the one area where she's not making Which any progress. Which one is the right one? Yeah. We deal, I know we deal with this about, I started off writing books mm-hmm. uh, my whole life. Like, full books, you know, 400-something pages type shit. And then all of a sudden, it just jumped into poetry, then it jumped into screenwriting. And then I was like, damn, well, which one is the right one? Am I picking the wrong one? Am I have, do I have too many things? And, you know, some people do this with music. They're like, I'm, I'm a musician, but I'm also a writer, but I'm also an actor. They're like, Or some people do, like, you know, because I, I, I feel like I'm having that moment. like The multi-hyphenate moment. Yeah, I, ha- I, I do improv, comedy, and it's not, a, it's not like a fad. It's like I'm deep in it, you know, <laughs> in improv. It's a couple years now. Yeah, and, like season four. Season four, what is oh that? God. Is that right? Is that the right term? Like the fourth level, whatever. Fourth but, level. But, yeah. So now it sounds like Scientology. Do, right? I mean, the money is... Uh, the way you be making motherfuckers pay. I mean, I'm lying. I got a scholarship. But uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> the improv, like doing improv, doing comedy, doing writing, doing uh, acting as well, mm-hmm. like all these different things. I'm like, I'm picking too many things or am I supposed to do everything? How do I know which thing is the right thing? Yeah. How do you know? Do you know? I don't. I think I think whatever makes me happy, and if all fucking five make me happy, then do all fucking five. That's that's what I'm trying to tell myself, and I try to explain, to, and I try to encourage my friends as well. I'm like, when someone's like, "Oh, should this be a book?" I'm like, "Yes," and they're like, "Well, should this one be a movie?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and like, "Well, should this one? Should I just act in this one and put it on YouTube as little shorts?" And I'm like, "Sure." Like, do all of it. Who the fuck is who's a rule maker? Like, we're yeah. over the rule makers. We see they crazy as hell. <laughs> so yeah. we don't even listen no to them joke. anymore <laughs> They lost their damn mind Yeah, that's true And I think that this is something that a lot of people are dealing with right now You know, we touched on that a little bit Is just like, the, you know, the, the excess of of free time Or maybe lack of direction that came from, um, you know Oh, I have a big show coming up Or I have a big performance Or, you know, these kind of tent poles that we had That we were working towards Or even just the grind of the 9 to 5 and now we, a lot of people don't have that. And it's like, what do you do? Um, but you're right. It's like, number one, not everything has to be your main job. Not everything has to be the, the, the moneymaker, the thing that you're known for. And number two, like, if you like all of it, do all of it. Like, it can, everything can be its own thing. But yeah. I just feel like I struggle for two reasons. One of them is just like, I, I'm a very social person person so I like to whatever I do I like to be collaborative so if I'm like in my room working on something by myself a lot of times I lose momentum doing that you know yeah like I I I prefer to like work with other people a lot of time I am not I cannot work in silence which is crazy yeah Uh, and uh it's just weird to me I've always and that's because ever since I my writing process since I was a little kid has always been involving like loud family members talking in the background or me listening to music. Like, you know, back in the line wire, Kazaa days, you know, Napster days, I would get all the fucking music and have, you know, soundtracks and shit. Yeah, we were like little pirates. Yeah, I was, little, I was a little pirate. But uh <laughs> statue of limitations. Uh but anyway, I ain't got it no more. I deleted it. But uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the thing is like so I was so used to doing that, even now as in my adult life. If I'm sitting in the room and I'm trying to write an article or something like that and it's just dead silent, I'm like, I can't do this. 
I need some birds chirping. I need something going on. I need some music playing. Yeah, I walked into your room today, and there was like sounds of water dripping and plant Cause life. Because I was and... editing, I was proofreading the article, so I was yeah. like, "Oh, if I'm a proofread this bitch, I need to have some birds and some water running." I, I didn't know I was walking through the rainforest. <laughs> it was nice. You it need was, you need that. Like it was nice. So, uh, yeah, that that's. I don't I don't really know exactly if I'm doing the right thing, but doing something. I'm doing something. And the last question I want to bring up is in regards of our now, which is this pandemic that we're living in, kind of the shutdown, the quarantine and creating art and being fulfilled, productive and productive in the pandemic. Do do we feel like we are doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we making the best of the moment? You know, having all of this time on our hands, whether or not you lost your job or you are working from home now or, you know, things, the things have changed. Like you're not, you know, drinking and partying all the weekend every now. Like, you know, there's some, there's elements that have changed. It may, it may not be all of them, maybe some of them, but are, are you making the best of this? Cause you know, there's that, that thing that people have been saying like, Oh, in the beginning of the pandemic, they're like, it's okay if you're not doing anything. It's okay if you're not uh, accomplishing everything every day. You don't have to always like be productive. It was like it was like trying to motivate people that it's okay to just like sit around and do nothing. Then there's a flip side of that where like there was people being like, oh, this is like your perfect time. Like now it's time to create your side hustle. Like you need to be more productive than ever. Yeah, and that engine driving people. So for you, how was that? what is that? Do you what do you think you were doing with your pandemic? <laughs> Ooh, put me on trial. What uh, the shit? This whole fucking <laughs> show is me on trial. What you mean? <laughs> I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, do I think I could have done more? Yes. Do I think I'm doing the most that I can? No. But do I think what I'm doing is productive and is like me overcoming self doubt in order to create art? I think so. Um, I think, though, like, for me, I've been working from home and doing, like, a freelance kind of side hustle thing for, like, three years now. Yeah, almost. you've been quarantining yourself for a long I've been, time. I've been quarantining for a while. Um, and I think that I had a period where I was really, really productive, made a bunch of stuff. And yeah. then I had a period where I really wasn't. Um, and then now I'm in the period where... I just feel like I have so many things that are half started. And now it's a time where I really need to put my nose to the grindstone and figure out which of these things is worth pursuing, which of these things is worth finishing. Like, I, I just have a huge issue with that. Yeah. I don't know if you feel similarly or what. My, I will say that, like, I've created, because I love creating lists, but I've fairly, rarely ever finished a list, like, accomplish everything on it. Mm. And there's a lot of things on several different lists, you know, for different reasons that are not crossed off still from all the way from March when this started. And so I sit there and I'm like, fuck, man, I wasted so much time. I always think about like when a week goes by, two weeks go by, I'm like, it's October's almost done. And I haven't done A, B, and C. And I said I was going to have that done by October 1st. And I stress myself out about it. But then I also, in in the same breath, I'm also very cognizant of the fact that like, to me, productivity doesn't always mean I wrote a complete book or I, you know, did a, performed open heart surgery. Pro- product, productivity also means I just did something that had value to me or made me feel good in that in in the in the day. That's interesting. Do you think that we're kind of like 
I don't know if blinded is the right word, but like, do you think that we're brainwashed almost that productivity has to mean exactly what it means in like the workforce? Yeah, our, our capitalistic society is like nine to five, uh, pay your taxes, have a family, uh, be an upstanding citizen is like do that. it all in the same week. Yeah. Do it all the same day. All the same day. It's like, it's that's productivity. But like, to me, it's like, it could be like, there are very small accomplishments. Like I bought a, I bought a bag of potting soil in 2017, and I was like, I had this potting soil because I'm going to get plants. And my black ass ain't bought no plants until the quarantine in 2020. But guess what? All the motherfucking plants are growing and thriving with that fucking potting soil. Dude, I'm staring at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight at least Bitch, plants behind you. Shit, and that's the potting soil that I had. So it's like that it, it, it didn't... It, it's not like I'm having this crazy productivity during quarantine, but there are little things here and there that I said I want to do. I mean, you're listening to it, bitch. Like, a motherfucker has made an episode consistently every week since we started. I will say, Mike, like, having lived with you for eight years, like, you are the master of the plan, the payoff. Like, you've watched enough movies growing up that you, like, everything that you do say you do or you're going to do, eventually you will do. Like, yes, it always, I'm just like, slow. without fail. <laughs> I'll be like you're busy. You're I'm like doing yeah. Many I have I have a ninja success. Like it's like I'm gonna plant this this device here and I'm gonna come back to it two years from now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just you. I plant and pay off. No pun intended with all the plants. Right. Oh, you're so good. <laughs> They're plant and pay off with the fucking bag of pot of soil. Oh my god, that's so good. okay. Sorry, please. But you were anyway, say something better. Oh, I love that too much. I'm gonna have to make a whole fucking Instagram series now called the Plant and Payoff. Ooh, okay. Yes. Uh, but anyway, because that's ooh, that is so beautiful. But yeah, it's like I have to find these little moments of successes and be like that. That I accomplished, you know. A, C, D, and E. Like, I didn't probably accomplish all of them. So, it, but I, I'm happy with that. There's there's still a lot of things I want to get done, but I'm okay with not getting them all done. Because while I might have all this free time, they're also, you know, on TV saying that black lives don't matter. The freaking police are sending out flyers telling us how to vote. And on the top, it says, like, no for racial equality. Mm-hmm. I was like, I did what? There's like, a little asterisk next to it. I'm like, that asterisk better just point to a part of this thing that says just kidding. Cause like there's no way to like explain that. That's crazy that you that you have no for racial equality on there. Um so like that kind of shit uh fucks with me. And that is that those things can be affecting also my my idea of productivity and being able to do stuff. Like I you know I might be depressed, I might be sad, I might be busy, I might be stressed out. So all that plays into it. Yeah. But I, I am happy overall with what I'm doing with my health and and my my skills during this quarantine. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are, di- are way different than I was in 2016. And so I'm happy because of that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and yeah, I think that that's a really good lesson, like as far as take, taking the little wins, because I think there's so many big L's right now for everyone. Oh, yeah. So many L's. Um, and I think like for myself, I always think like productivity is like you finish the full thing. I mean, you said that too. Yeah. Um, so it's good to think of it. Actually, planning a wedding, the one thing that's really nice is so uh, my fiance loves like sp- spreadsheets and, and like Google Sheets for stuff. 
I know. Um, I bet you hate us for that because, like, I love them too. It's just spreadsheets and Google sheets everywhere. I get the life. I get the point of them. I appreciate them so it's much. It's so amazing. You could do so many things with them. You could color code them. You can just put everything and have it all in front of you and add oh, yeah. numbers. Ugh. And it feels like you know, there's all these tasks that need to get done, and you feel like like both like nothing is getting done, and you don't know what needs to get done at all times. Maybe this is just from the groom perspective, but you look at that when you have everything laid out before you and you mark things off when you've accomplished them and you look at that from the, the wide angle view, you see like, wow, we're actually getting a lot done and there's, and so much is being set up and, and put into place. I think we need to do that more with like our life goals and like in general, like yeah. make a spread, make a spreadsheet and start marking things off. Yeah. Actually do make a list and, Color code it and make if you it don't pretty. like making lists, tell some ask someone, find a friend. You everybody got a friend out there, a mommy, a daddy, or somebody that loves making lists, and be like, "Hello, friend. I don't like making lists. Can you help me make a list?" I they, I bet you they love it so much. They be like, "Oh my god, I've been waiting for you to ask me this my whole life." Yeah, uh, and it's, you know you can do that. <laughs> uh, journaling, make a vision board. Uh, another thing that's been very helpful to me, which uh, you know people who watch Social Dilemma would be like argue with me, like no, but. Like, I've been seeing, I look at those memories sometimes on Facebook, and those memories can fuck with you in a positive way. I, Interesting. The other day, I got one that said, it was like a question I posed to everybody, it, it posed to everybody, it was like 2013, and this is 2020, and it said, would every, who would be interested if I started a YouTube channel, like a vlog, and started like discussing things or topics and stuff like that, and, but, and you know, several people commented on it and liked it and it's funny because it's fast forward to now i'm looking at that post from way back when where people were saying yeah we wanted to listen to something and my black ass didn't make anything for seven years right when they told me way back seven years ago to do it i waited seven years to do it and 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 i'm sitting here looking surprised that you know people are listening to the show or it's getting some traction and i'm like damn like if I would just listen to them way back when, like so, it, like it's just like it's not a checklist or anything, but it's it's definitely, it definitely can let you see goals you set back in the day, and if you met them yet or not, and if you haven't, then maybe you might want to revisit that. Yeah, totally. Be like maybe I'm in the headspace now to do it. Maybe I was too young. You know, 2013. I don't know. I was. I was still 23, so I'm 24. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, it was I was just in a different place in life. So you know, now I'm able to do it. So it's that's just there's a whole so many methods. Yeah, I I think actually the truth of that dichotomy between you know not you know being kind to yourself and and being as productive as possible, it's in the middle. It's like be kind to yourself and consider the things that you do to be kind for yourself as productive. Because that being kind to yourself and in that regard lets you be productive with other things. Yes. And I, I will finish up uh, what we're talking about today with saying, kind of piggybacking off of Grant, is being kind to yourself and learning how to defeat and challenge the self-doubt when you're in yourself will allow more space for you to have less of that about others. And... Our world right now, I feel like we are focusing so hard on doubting everyone. 
Like, I look at a Republican and I'm like, I doubt that they're progressive. I look at an older person, I'm like, I doubt that they will understand where a millennial is coming from. Yeah, we assume the worst intentions yes, of everyone. Everybody's assuming the worst in everyone, and we're like, oh, America's gonna make the wrong decision. Oh, America is selfish. You know, oh, other countries don't like us. Like, we're just doubting. There's just doubt being flung everywhere. And I'm like, that's not healthy. Like, it's also, it's also probably it's false and based off of some bullshit. You know, like your daddy taking the camera away from you when you're like nine years old. So it's like, the, it's not, it's not healthy. So, like, I, I'm going to try my best to to defeat the self-doubt with myself because I want to be able to share all this confidence with other people because I know other people are dealing with... I know we know everybody's dealing with self-doubt, so we got to kind of help help defeat it for ourselves but also have enough power and strength to give away to others who are struggling with it as well. Couldn't have said it better myself. Right. Watch 40-year-old version. Yeah, watch it. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.